five seconds to submergence. Submergence deep into the absurd. Okay, we have Drew Owens on the podcast today. He is uh, the producer, if I'm not mistaken, of Moxie the Band. Yeah, producer, band member. Um, what uh, uh, can you kind of go through your role in the band? I guess. Just yeah, as an sure. Introduction. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm a band member. I help write the songs. Um, help come up with parts, perform, um, and uh, I'm a music producer, mixing and mastering engineer by trade. So that part of it kind of falls to me as well. Um, so yeah, it, it kind of started out with uh, Michael, uh, who's the other guy in the band. Um, kind of like in that cover coming photo. Out- Right, it, right. It, the other, you in the, the middle. Guy. Yeah, it's Amber in the middle, and then I think I'm on the left, and Michael's on the right. Okay. And so, yeah, uh, just immediately after the dissolution of Michael's band, a lot like Birds, um, he had uh, a few kind of song sketches, and um, so he kind of pitched the idea of starting a new project together. And so he brought those to me. I kind of selected some ones that I thought had some promise and we kind of developed the rest of the song, the rest of the songs together. And then um, I had some ideas that I brought to the table and uh, we kind of fleshed those out together. And uh, we didn't actually have a singer at the time, um, but he uh, and Amber were together and uh, she sort of became the, the logical choice for a singer. So we asked her to be in the band and then she came in and wrote the lyrics and the, and the vocals. And, uh, that's what, that's what you're hearing with, uh, with the Moxie, the band album. Yeah. I really like Moxie, the band, my, uh, girlfriend introduced me to them and I was, Oh, we were going to this. Well, she bought tickets to this, uh, the day seeker concert in Spokane. And then Moxie, the band was, uh opening for them right or they will be opening for them yeah so, and then i started listening to walk the band i'm like wow these these guys are really good so um i was i was really impressed by the music it's so it's so original but like the sound is so original um and then the lyrics kind of envelope a lot of things that i think people feel these days in relationships um because i i feel like well, what's your take on it? What What do you think is the concept behind Dream Feeling? Lyrically, that is that is definitely a question for Amber, but I will answer on her behalf to the best of my ability. Yeah, um, that that was sort of written out of her own experiences with uh, some relationships that she had had and lost. Um, she had been uh, really close to to her nanny child for a while and that and that family moved away and um, she sort of lost that relationship with the nanny child in a way that was um, pretty unpleasant and so some of it was sort of um, a conduit for kind of dealing with 
with that experience. But it's interesting. Uh, we actually kind of had a talk about it um, just before our Sacramento show a couple weeks ago, before they headed out on the tour. And I know that lately the lyrics have really kind of taken on um, sort of a new meaning and have been descriptive of kind of the chapter of life that she's in right now. And even for me, sort of, I find myself reciting a lot of lyrics as I sort of enter a different season of life and different lyrics from the album will pop into my head, like from the song Guidance Counselor, where um, she says it's time to start again. And um, I know a lot of people that are kind of entering a second chapter of their life right now, or a third chapter, or just another chapter. And um, that's that's been sort of a sort of a mantra for me and for her. So, yeah, the lyrics. Yeah, I, it, um, I have the yeah. Go ahead. I have all the lyrics up actually. Um, and yeah, in that guidance counselor song, I like the "It's time to start again" because time just does whatever it wants. Yeah. That's yeah, I mean, there's some kind of surrender uh, to the process of uh, uh, not only art, but of life that that the lyrics kind of touch on that I, I think some people can relate to. I certainly can. When did you find music? Uh, like what? How did your musical journey, say, begin? Um. So I, I kind of grew up in a musical family. Uh, I, I come from sort of a line of musicians on on both sides of my family. So my mom really liked to play the guitar and sing. And um, so she uh, immigrated to the United States from northern India. And uh, she just loved pop music like Beatles and uh, like Michael Jackson and uh, uh, the Carpenters and uh, just all kinds of classic stuff. So. I grew up listening to a lot of that. My dad um, also uh, is a saxophonist and is just somebody that can kind of quickly figure out whatever instrument he puts his mind to, plays piano, uh, banjo, uh, bagpipes. Um, and then like my grandfather, my grandfather's on both sides, both of them musical. Uh, one of them, the, the one from India was, uh, told me about a vocal sort of, I think it was like a, quartet or a trio that he was in called the midnight daddies um so that was a it was pretty fun and uh my my grandfather um on my dad's side who's a texan um played the electric guitar i actually have two of his guitars that he left to me um in oh, the studio awesome. here yeah so he was a he was a country player and uh so yeah i'm the i'm the only one foolish enough to decide to try to take the music all the way um but yeah it That's started good. like that and i think uh I, I started piano lessons in third grade and I, I was really into video games at at that time particularly like zelda and i remember like the first time i was really taking music seriously um i was trying to transcribe the theme uh to zelda Link's awakening um, no way on sheet music for the piano so that I could play it on the piano. And so I don't know if I ever finished it, but I, I did kind of get the, the main motif down and uh, like I was always kind of all the notes and stuff. Or? Right. Yeah. Like I wrote it out on sheet music. Wow. Um, 
just as kind of a fun exercise. And um, I, I don't think I really like fell in love with music until like, like middle school, I had a friend who started playing the electric guitar and, uh, and he got really into like punk rock and sort of what was being called punk rock at the time, which was like no effects and Lagwagon and some of the bands that were on this label fat records. Um, and, uh, I think like a lot of people my age hearing like simple punk rock like that sort of made the music accessible and brought it to a point that was like, hold on, like I can play power chords and like make, make music. And so I picked up the electric guitar, like my friend. And I think from there, it just kind of became an obsession. And I, I just went down the rabbit hole and then from punk rock to metal and then from like metal to like emo screamo, um, just like a lot of people my age. And then I had like a prog phase and uh, yeah, at some point I, I really kind of determined that songwriting was really the thing I was most passionate about. And um, so I did that with a couple bands and uh, then it kind of turned into me helping other people with it and guiding people through sort of the record making process. And that's where I am today. So with, uh, say writing music, do you like, what is the process for, creating a song i guess like what's your process there yeah it kind of depends on on what the origin of the of the song is like if the idea is coming from somebody else or if it's coming from me but yeah. for me um i will just kind of conceive of a melody uh and and I'll just kind of make a voice memo out of it in my phone. And usually that melody will kind of uh, create an impetus for some basic accompaniment, like a keyboard part or a guitar part. And that will kind of imply the drum part. And so it, it kind of will, there'll be like a part of the song that will pretty much come to me um, almost instantaneously. Uh, I'll just conceive of it. And and it's there, which is a really kind of interesting phenomenon. And uh, if it's if it's somebody else, uh, it, I'll I'll have their idea, and I'll kind of see what that inspires from me. So maybe they'll have like a part of a song with like a vocal. Maybe I'll be able to think of a harmony for that vocal, um, or just another part that I'll conceive of based on the inspiration that they provide and um, that kind of will, will begin sort of a cycle of, of ideas. And then uh, sometimes you have a lot of ideas and you have to figure out what's going to stick and what you're going to throw away. And, uh, and then sometimes you get stuck and uh, you don't know what to do and you have to move on to something else or just keep showing up and tough it out and see, uh, entertain all your ideas including the bad ones yeah so um i heard this advice for writing where write as much as you can but when you can't write when you can't write read 
So say when you're unable to make a song, do you just start listening to music? Mm. You're asking me if I if I start listening to music if I if I get like stuck. Yeah, if you get a like um, writer's block, say definitely. Yeah, yeah, I'll start kind of trying to get back to what I think the influences for the song are, or I'll listen yeah. to something completely different. If I'm working with another artist, I really make a a a pretty decisive attempt to enter their world. So I'll usually ask them to come up with a playlist to kind of give me like a crash course into their musical brain. And so I'll I'll go listen to that. I'll mix it with some of my own influences. Um or I'll just figure out something mundane to do in the song that needs to be done. Um, like whatever it is I happen to be procrastinating on, if it's actually performing like a bass part that, that I've created in like the virtual world or on a synth, synth or something, I'll do that. Um, kind of a phrase related to the one that you just said um, that I kind of live by is uh, when you don't know what to do, do what you know. Yeah. So I, I I fall back on that um, in life and in the in the creative process. It's like a tend to the part of the garden that you can touch in a sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, so as far as uh, ha have you ever read The Alchemist? I think I've heard of it, but I I have not read it. Who, who well, wrote the, the Alchemist? Um, Paulo Coelho, but it's uh, it doesn't matter. It just there's this concept in there where when you have this dream or this goal in mind, uh, a lot of times you'll get this taste. You'll you get this taste of it, like taste of the success, like taste of what it feels like, of how good it would feel to um, achieve that goal or to reach that dream. And that yeah. kind of sends you like wanting it, right? That sends you down the course to get the thing that you want in, in a sense. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess when you started playing that electric guitar when you were younger, uh, did you ever like feel that? Uh, did you ever feel that in a sense? Um, I think at the very beginning, no. But I definitely had a moment when I was 16 where I said, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. I want to be, I want to make music. I love the way that the music that I love makes me feel. And I want other people to feel that way when they listen to the music that, that I create. So, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Then uh, after that, like, so like when you were 16, did you start a band? Kind of like, did you kind of like when was like, what was your first project, I guess, in a sense? Yeah, I, I kind of had some like failed attempts at bands. Yeah. Uh, in high school, like I, I mean, the first experience of me trying to play with somebody else, um, uh, was, was pretty awkward. I, I tried to like make a song with, with my friend who kind of got me into punk rock and playing guitar and we knew a drummer in high school and uh we tried to get in a room and just like you know it was nonsense we had no idea what we were doing it's probably just like 
three or four kids in a room just riffing and <laughs> trying to figure out how to play their instruments. And I, I had another like failed band practice, like in my backyard, um, like in my sophomore year of high school um, that actually somebody called the cops and the cops showed up. And <laughs> so we had to stop playing. <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I, I just had like a few situations where, where I tried to get together and, and, and play with other people. And, and a lot of times it just resulted in nonsense, but slowly it was like, you know, I got a little closer to maybe having a song each time. And um, then I ended up playing with some kids that went to my church and we actually did write a couple songs. Uh, I wasn't really the, like, I would say the chief songwriter at the time. I was just kind of playing leads on, on the electric guitar. Um, but then uh, in like late high school, senior year, I was in a band uh, where we actually did write some proper songs and record an EP and did a short tour. And uh, then after that, I played for another band where I was like lead electric guitar. And then, um, and then I, really got into a very serious band that did an EP and a full length record. And we were called consider the thief. And, uh, that was probably, I would say the first very serious band that, that I was in that was really trying to go all the way. But yeah, there's a gradual process of just trying and failing like a lot of life is. Yeah. Well, it's cool that you, you ended up being successful with it all though. Yeah. There's like yeah, so many uh, people who are failed musicians and never picked it back up or they failed once and they never came back to it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really just a matter of um, like, don't quit, you know, like the, the only thing you can do to really ensure that, that it, it is a failure is to, is to just, stop doing it put it behind you and even then to say it's a failure it's like well you know maybe during that creative part of your life there was a lot of good fruit that came from it so it's hard to say what is a what is success and what is failure when you're making art and that can be really subjective yeah i mean if you're having fun like if it's your passion then there isn't really a reason to not do it I guess. Yeah. Like, even if no one hears it, even if no one hears your music, um, if you enjoy making the music, then there's no point in not making the music. Totally, yeah. Uh, time, time permitting and finances permitting, certainly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's a difficult thing. I think those of us who are... Um, sort of have the artist bug do have an extremely difficult time putting it away and um those people who i've seen who have tried to put it away um it hasn't really led to any joy for them like they it's it's been problematic for them they've had to they felt compelled to come back to it in some way so i think creating creating art particularly um, can can really be an impulse that that people need to act on in order to feel fulfilled. 
Yeah, and if they don't have that to go to, then I feel like they may resort to things that are very not good for them. Because I mean, uh, a lot of people like um, uh, a lot of addicts when you get them out of an addiction. At least, or a lot of creative people have been addicts in the past. At least, mm-hmm. um, so I, I've often wondered what the relationship between creativity and addiction was. And in a sense, a lot of creative people are addicted to their craft. Mm-hmm. Um, in a sense, and if they're not pursuing that craft, then they have to resort to other things, right? Hmm. I mean, yeah, I totally resonate with that i'm i'm somebody that uh that i would say i have an addictive personality i've i've had struggles with addiction um in the past and it it does kind of tickle a very similar part of the brain um i, th- I think like creating music and creating fulfilling art for me at least it's like there's a there's a dopamine release with that and um there there's something physiological about it and um like medications and, and drugs can kind of scratch that same itch, which uh, can actually be very dangerous. Um, because I, I think if, if you, if you really get into that, it can actually kind of quench the part of you that, that desires to create art. Um, just speaking from my own experience. So. Yeah. And I've, uh, I mean, I've had experiences like that too. And I've had friends who are say like, really good at something creative and just like really really good and then they you know just start drinking too much basically and they, right you know they don't pick up that guitar they don't um pick up their notebook or whatever totally yeah yeah you yeah. um it's it's like a hack it, like uh drinking it causes a release of dopamine uh so uh, if you don't need to get that through accomplishing something or um, or creating something, which is very hard to do, um, you can get that from a pill or or a drink or or something like that, and it makes it hard to to put in the work. Um, speaking from my own experience, of course, you know, and yeah. the experiences that other people have are are diverse, and I can't speak for those. Yeah, and I'm just I'm speaking from my own experience too. Um, I I did want to ask, say, um, when you're making music, are you trying to convey a message to people? That's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, not all the time you are, but um, yeah. I think I have to say yes. And I have to kind of figure out some support for that. That's a very good question. Um, or is it a feeling? I think, right. I think it, it might is, not be a message. I think, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's both. Um, uh, I can, I can think of, um, I can think of some support for that. So uh, there were a few ideas on the Moxie record that, uh, definitely did come down to an emotion that I was trying to convey, but I had written the idea about an experience. And I, again, I didn't write the lyrics. Um, 
Yeah. But I think it's really possible to create music that is about something that is very emotional, but it, it, um, it's an experience. And uh, one example I can think of is uh, uh, when Christopher Nolan approached uh, Hans Zimmer about the interstellar soundtrack. Uh, he wanted him to write a piece about what it feels like to be a father. And, uh, and he had written a piece about uh, being a father to his son and, and the music took a certain shape because of the emotions that, uh, because of the emotional content that that had. And, uh, and a, a lot of that movie is sort of uh, about the relationship between a, a father and a daughter, which is really close. So um, I, I uh, lost my mom to cancer when I was, um, when I was 20. And um, so I had sort of written a few ideas on the record that were sort of a, about that and uh, sort of about that. And it's kind of interesting that the album is called Dream Feeling because even before the lyrics were written, some of the ideas um, were sort of about what it's like to, what it feels like to see somebody that is no longer here on earth in a dream. Um, that, that's a unique and very emotional experience. And um, that that's something that Michael was able to relate to too, because he, he lost his mom when he was also uh, pretty young. And uh, so, so yeah, there's sort of a, a dreamlike quality to, to some of the, some of the albums music sort of based on writing to that prompt and Amber sort of took that and uh, I'd explained to her what, what some of the music was about to me. And I think she tried to find kind of an emotional common denominator and uh, had sort of written her own experience of loss uh, over something that was kind of about loss. So yeah, there, there is a, there is a, a message sort of behind not only the lyrics, uh, but the music. And, and I've also written lyrics um, like with my, with my old band that, that had a, a particular message and it wasn't even necessarily something that I was trying to write, but something that just kind of was spontaneous and genuine and came out of me. Yeah. So and I guess, ways. and with that being said, it's almost like you're not, it's not that you're trying to convey a message, but you're trying to translate like your idea into music or a feeling that you're feeling in the music in a sense. Um, totally. Yeah. And it could be a really good exercise to, to say, I have this idea in my mind. I think a lot of professionals do this and I'm going to write something that's about that, like with the Hans Zimmer example. Um, but for me, it, it always kind of comes from the feeling first. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And the, the album does have a very dreamlike feeling. And the connection that I had in it is that a lot of it's about relationships, you know, and like some seem like it's a bad relationship. Some seems like it's like you now a lot of it feels like the protagonist, say Amber, is speaking to someone that can't talk about it. Yeah, kind of, I think yeah, that's kind of how it felt to me. 
totally. I think that is you you totally hit it on the head there. Um a lot of I think a lot of those songs are about relationships that that are sort of over that uh, she no longer has access to that person and she's sort of um processing it and finding finding closure in the lyrics. I think a lot of people can find that relatable. But at the same time it's also very like it's called moxie the band right which is uh right it kind of deeply that's like the the sound of the the album contrasts with the name of the band which also contrasts with the lyrics which is interesting because it's uh at least in my opinion because moxie at least to my understanding means like you're determined or you're kind of right. in a good spot right um yeah well let me tell you it took some determination to finish that album it was yeah kind of a process <laughs> so yeah it, it took moxie all right but um yeah moxie is actually the name of uh of sort of the relation uh, of the of the child that that amber uh, can't doesn't doesn't talk to anymore oh wow so yeah it, it that that's that's her name and uh and it, it uh, seemed like a like a good band name at the time, yeah. And um, and yeah, it's taken on all kinds of meaning since we decided to to use it. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah, that's an awesome name. That's uh, that's super sad. Yeah, that's uh, it, it is pretty sad. But yeah, uh, Amber has mentioned Moxie the band versus Moxie the girl a few times. Yeah. She, to yeah um well wow it has so many almost like it has so many meanings to it in a sense um because because when i was listening to it i was thinking almost that um like you're stuck in a dream and you're like or like somewhere between being stuck in a dream that you can't wake up from or like you're in a real world scenario that you don't like and you're dreaming about like being moxie or like being determined to leave the scenario you're in um yeah uh i mean the the song forever endeavor um I yeah it's kind of about that about being in a being in a situation that that you are having difficulty finding the strength to leave so yeah, I think the music and the lyrics kind of kind of come together, particularly for that one. But yeah, it's really cool to hear you kind of be able to to intuit sort of the lyrical themes from the music and vice versa. You know, it's also really it's positive though. That that's like it feels positive. So there's also a hint of nostalgia in there too. That's good. I'm. I'm I'm glad it makes me feel good to to hear that it's a that it's a positive experience for you. Like I said, I, I you know, <laughs> yeah. I want I want uh, other people to feel from the music that that I help create the way that I feel uh, when yeah. I when I listen to the music that that I love, and it is an uplifting experience for me um, to listen to music that I love, and even more than that, I would say it's more than uplifting. It, it produces it produces all kinds of emotions. You know, Rick Rubin said that there's no art form more automatic in producing emotions than music. I'm paraphrasing him. 
And that really rings true for me that it just seems like the most automatic way. And even if I'm listening to something that kind of is somber and, or makes me feel, feel sad or, or something that kind of like makes me feel pumped up in a weird way, it's still a positive experience, you know? Yeah. Yep. Um, my, my girlfriend always tells me that she loves listening to sad music, right? Me too. And yeah, it's why well, I mean, me too. And it's, uh, it's even if it makes you feel like just feeling things in general is a positive experience, um, in a sense and music makes you feel, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously absolutely. not all emotions are like good to feel, but it feels like good to have someone sympathize with you, I, I guess, in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really beautiful and distinctly human experience that we can experience, which is deriving emotion from art. Do you, uh, so what are your favorite artists, I guess, or I guess right now, you know, it changes. It, yeah. It's, it's a revolving door of, of influences yeah. and yeah like like i had said um i'm kind of constantly trying to put myself in the headspace of the artists that i'm working with yeah. as a producer so i'm constantly experiencing new music like that but the albums or artists that i'm i'm really enjoying right now um i recently discovered that new hoser record um okay. i think it's called unreal on earth which is beautiful i absolutely love that one um the the war on drugs put out an album um it's either last year or a couple years ago called i don't live here anymore uh absolutely love that album um uh i really like an artist uh called noah noah gunderson um this stuff is amazing uh, those are three that I can think of. And then they're, they're all time favorite artists. I'm going to be super basic. Like most musicians and say, you know, Radiohead. Oh yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I just bought a Radiohead album um, record uh, today. Oh, nice. Which one? Uh, it's kid. A. Oh yeah. yeah. Love that one. Yeah. That was yeah. the second, I think the second Radiohead album that I, that I really fell in love with. I started on Hail to the Thief and then went backwards okay. to Kid A. Um, and then OK Computer, which actually I never had my total falling in love experience with OK Computer, which is like crazy to most people because that, to, to a lot of Radiohead fans, that is the record. You know? But that's my experience. Yeah, I really like Kid A, especially that, uh, well, this YouTube video popped up on my feed one day. That was it was about how to disappear completely. Yeah. And I guess I'm I'm sure you can speak to this, but I guess it's the only song in the album that it's basically just instruments. It, it doesn't have any uh, of the synth and stuff. Um, but. Yeah, that, that, I'd say Radiohead is probably the most because a lot of times you can't even hear what they're saying. So it's the most uh, like they're really trying to convey a feeling in, in a sense. Yeah, I mean, Kid A in particular gets pretty 
abstract and yeah yeah that that album can be pretty avant-garde at times um which really kind of challenged me the first time that i heard it just just getting into radiohead i think as a um as a younger musician it was like it it pushed me um because i um even before kid a when i got uh, hail to the thief like it wasn't like an instant gratification album for me like i yeah i bought it because i knew that a lot of people that i that i liked and respected um their musical taste and their music really liked uh radiohead so i bought the album and when i first put it on i was like i don't know if i like this like i don't know I really yeah. know if i love the way that tom york sings but uh i had an investment in the album right because i had paid whatever 15 dollars to buy the cd back back then it was in the cd player um so i kept listening to it and uh it just clicked for me one day i was like oh my gosh this is brilliant i love this and that whole experience actually i'm really afraid that that's getting lost hey you mind if i go grab my dog real quick yeah go for it sorry she was just, uh she was just causing a ruckus um I, I understand that life yeah she was she gets like it's great pyrenees she gets really effective but um yeah. so is uh is hail to the chief the one with two plus two equals five yes yeah okay yeah all right yeah really that was probably that the first song that i that i really loved off of that one yeah uh actually hard read... for me Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, ha have you read 1984? Yes, I have. Okay. Yeah, cool. love love that book. Uh, yeah. I think it's probably scarier to read it now <laughs> than, <laughs> yeah. than it was when I when I first read it. But yeah, what a what a brilliant novel. Um, I actually went when I got married too. I I really encouraged my wife to read it, and she did, and she loved it too. Good. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Uh, have you also read Brave New World by chance? I have not. I've heard, I've heard it uh, referenced frequently, and I am familiar with the premise. But that's yeah. that's definitely something I gotta I gotta go back and read. Yeah, but uh, so when you were saying that you like you had to challenge yourself almost to listen to uh, Kid A, right? Um, mm -hmm. yeah and hail to the chief um can you kind of elaborate on that more and i know i i, I probably missed some of what you were saying while my dog was barking but yeah no problem uh yeah so yeah the first listen to hail to the thief and i think to some extent kid a for me was not like it wasn't love right away like i listened yeah. to it and there were things about things about the music like like tom york's vocal uh, which is the first thing that that people tend to notice um in any music is the vocal it it wasn't like what i had listened to before and so there there was a lack of familiarity and just some of the some of the sounds were weird to me and the yeah. songwriting was was different uh, than i was used to you know not all those songs have a chorus um and uh it 
I just didn't know what I thought about it at first. Like there was a part of me that didn't really like it very much, but um, I, I had a, a financial investment in the album it was because I paid for it. Right. Which is an yeah. experience that's getting lost. Um, mm -hmm. I think nowadays, if you don't like something, just, you know, pick something else or skip yeah. the song yeah. on shuffle. But um, that like, forcing myself to listen to it because it was just in the CD player. And when I get in my car, um, it was there. Um, it just clicked for me one day. Like it was a, it was a grower of an album, but my favorite albums have, have kind of been like that. Like they've grown on yeah. me. There were parts of it that weren't accessible to me right away. And my taste sort of had to evolve uh, to get the utility out of all the songwriting decisions and tonal decisions, production decisions, etc. cetera. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, the, that's what I mean when I, when I say I had to kind of grow into it and yeah, there have, those experiences have really been some of the most formative for me as a musician where I've kind of had to grow with, uh, with an artist or maybe like there'll be an artist that I, that I like, and they do something different with an album like they take a left turn mm -hmm. and they go in a different direction and uh i'm not sure if i love it right away but i think a part of me maybe feels compelled to grow with that artist and try to hear what they're hearing and feel what they're feeling and uh and if i give it a chance sometimes i'll, I'll come out on the other side and i'll get it and uh it'll sort of add to my own bag of tricks as a musician and expand my taste broaden my horizons so yeah those have been great experiences uh, a band that did that actually that that i really loved back in the day was a band called thrice where they they kind of started out as a punk metal band and then they sort of took a left turn into a sort of a different area of rock incorporating electronics and having like more of sort of a grungy or indie sound and uh uh, I know that the album that I'm talking about where they made that left turn was Visu. And I know a lot of other musicians that sort of went through that left turn process with them. And it, it caused a lot of people to grow as a musician in the same way that I think Radiohead caused a lot of listeners and artists to grow with them when they went from sort of their, their nineties alternative sound to okay computer, which, uh, and then kid a, which was a, which was a major departure. Yeah, it is interesting how you kind of, um, well, it, it's interesting how you're saying that you, you challenge yourself almost as if you would challenge yourself to read a very intense novel. Um, yeah. You challenge yourself to like run a marathon or something, right? Because you're, um, and you even say in your, uh, your Instagram bio that you're a professional listener, right? Yeah. And Right. Pro um, listener. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pro listener. And I think that's so interesting, especially uh, a lot of times when you're listening to something weird or strange, you, you kind of have to listen to it a couple of times until you, you know, have that you know click where you're like, oh, I, I get it now. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's and I super felt that rewarding. way with I felt that way with metal with um, Pink Floyd. Um, I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, but nice uh, yeah i've listened I, I listened to a little pink floyd growing up 
I haven't, I haven't had like my, my big Pink Floyd moment, like a lot of people have. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do very, I, I do like them and respect them. Um, do you ever find yourself, so like when you are telling yourself to um, listen to something different, uh, do you ever find yourself getting that, um, say, epiphany from it in, in a sense? Like, do you ever feel yourself getting an epiphany from like, oh, my gosh, I, I'm getting what they're trying to tell me? Or like, I get why it's good. That's a good question. Right? Yeah, I think... Yeah, I can answer that in a few different ways. I think as I've gotten older, um, it's a little bit different. I I think part of my job to really dictates that I have to be able to see the good or hear the good in what I'm listening to, um, no matter what it is. If if somebody brings me an influence, I, I think I'm I'm pretty good at at immediately identifying what it is about that that they really like um, and, and maybe it's a few things um, but that that kind of just comes with the territory of being a producer I think you have to be able to appreciate and draw from a lot of different kinds of music yeah um, and then there's I guess another kind of epiphany which is when you really kind of latch on to a record um, and um that is something that I think has gotten rarer for me, the older I've gotten. And I think that's normal for people. So I, I have to kind of make it a discipline to engage with new music and to be intentional about pursuing those moments where I can really, where I can really um, latch on to, to an influence. So yeah, like the, the Hoja record is a, is a good example of that where we're like, maybe second listen through that one came kind of quickly. Yeah. My partner Sam is here behind me. Oh, you're good. Yeah. A lot um, of times you, um, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was, I, I was finished. Okay. Um, yeah. So do you ever find that like when you actually like with a lot of songs, you'll hear it and it's not a challenge to listen to. So then you can like quickly, you know, move to the next album. You know, you're not going to be like, oh, like you're not going to remember that album as much. Um, yeah. But if you do challenge yourself to listen to something and you start to love it, um, do you find any connection between that and say just being in a, like you're listening to something to try to find something that you like? Uh, do you ever find a connection between that and being in a relationship with someone? Hmm, wow. Kind of a tough uh, question, but... Yeah, like I, I, I've never thought of it like that. Um, I guess I could think of of some parallels, like, like showing up even when it's not easy. Um, yeah. I, I guess you could say that that's a similarity. Um Or even just listening, like being like being willing to listen to it, right, and hear it out. I guess I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I I guess you could say that there's a there's a parallel between that and being being in a relationship where you have to be willing to listen to the other person. It's 
it's definitely a bit different with uh with the person that is you know that relationship is a whole lot more dynamic um whereas with music you're you're listening to a, a created work that yeah that isn't really you know changing um I mean, I guess in a relationship, you're kind of um, your relationship is the music that you're creating in a sense. Um, but yeah, yeah. I well, I I could definitely beyond a specific piece of music, I could definitely consider music to be sort of a relationship. Yeah, that I have of itself, like my relationship with music, and uh, that definitely has a lot of the trappings of a of a long-term relationship um where in the beginning you know it's beautiful and and magical and uh and then there comes a point where where um it maybe isn't as immediately gratifying and you have to foster your love for it and you have to show up and you have to put in the work um because it's not always easy in, in a relationship being with somebody um, it takes work and it's, it's been the same, it's been the same thing for me with music. Um, you know, there, there have been times where, where I've been doing my dream work of music and been miserable in it um, because of, because it can be soul sucking. Like it, it requires so much of you. Yeah. And, um, and there have been times that I, that like a lot of people, I wanted to quit and, um, and I've had to keep, keep investing into it and keep, uh, keep showing up and, and keep creating. So, yeah, I think, I think if I look at music as sort of an entity that I have a relationship with, it is similar in a lot of ways to, to being in a relationship with a person. Um, sorry, man. I, I I'm just gonna grab her and put her in here real quick. No problem. Sorry. Sometimes my relationship with that dog can get a little taxing myself, but oh yeah, you got to keep showing up for that one too. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, it can. I I feel like like everyone has a relationship to their craft, and if you don't put in the effort or the work, it can like really just slip away from you. Um, and I mean, it, it is interesting to describe it as a relationship, especially because earlier we were talking about if you stop being creative, um, you may resort to like having a drug addiction or something similar to that. And it, it's the same way where if you don't try to reach out to people and if you don't have a relationship with someone in general, uh, you, uh, you may also do that too. Totally. Yeah. I think ideally you have both. Yeah. You have the the, the thing and the person or people that you're passionate about. But yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I've I've known people that have kind of tried to to put it behind them and uh, it hasn't led to happiness for them. Yeah. Um, I I did want to touch on uh, what you were, what we were talking about earlier with like challenge yourself to listen to something. And a, a lot of times, or it, it's something that Frederick Nietzsche once said, is that a, a lot of things that everyone likes aren't very good. 
And I think uh, in that sense, there are things that I think that's because it's easy to like something that a lot of people like, right? But it, it's difficult to, um, for, for things that are a lot more in depth or a lot more personal, I'd say it's, it's harder to say latch on to those things. Um, I don't know if yeah, it might ever, not be as accessible. Yeah. Have you ever had any thoughts like similar to that? Or have you ever uh, like really liked something that, and no one else understands why? I, I've had a few of those experiences. I think the contrarian in me kind of wants to dislike what is popular. Yeah. And I've, I've actually had to bury that part of myself deep down because it's yeah. not it's not helpful to working with other people I, a lot of like my job i think as a as a music worker is that i have to i have to be able to see the good in a lot of things and that helps me work with more people um to be able to access more people's influences so um, i've definitely learned to take away the parts of i'll say music for mass consumption that i like even though I tend not to personally love music that I feel is kind of designed for mass consumption, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, but well, I mean, just because it's designed for mass consumption doesn't mean that it's like good, you know? <laughs> totally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'd say, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, I guess on a personal level, I don't feel is very good, um, but a lot of it is. Uh, so I, one thing I say is that uh, things are popular for a reason. Yeah. Or a lot of things are popular for a reason. So yeah, it benefits you to find out what that reason is so that you can relate to more people. Um, but I have definitely liked things and tried to turn other people onto them and had, had it fall flat. Yeah. Um, there was this album that I loved when I was 19 um, by a band called Fear Before the March of Flames. And it was an album called The Always Open Mouth. And uh, I loved that album so much that I bought it three times. <laughs> and I, gift I gifted two copies of it to people. Yeah. And I totally loved it. And some other people that I showed showed it to loved it too. But a lot of people were just like, I don't like the vocals. Like they couldn't get past mm -hmm. the vocals and um, being sort of a musician's musician at the time, I was sort of used to listening to uh, listening to music for more than just the vocals. But uh, a lot of people um, aren't really uh, experienced in that, in that discipline or, or choose not to engage with music that way. Um, that's why a lot of people, who are like audio professionals will say, and rightly so, that if the music has vocals, that's the most important part. Because I think just from an evolutionary perspective, like we're really attuned to fixate on the human voice yeah. right away, um, that our hearing is really like optimized for like one to 4K, um, which uh, is where you're going to hear an infant's cry or, or a tribe member calling for help, right? Um, so if the if the voice is there, it, it really becomes a critical element in the music. So that was a lesson for me that most people are listening for the vocal. 
Yeah, I mean, I think most people do listen to vocals, and obviously, when there's not like during the time of the song, they'll just hear the instruments. But um, when you hear a song, like as someone who produces music, do you kind of like notice all the little things in it? Like you know, okay, that's the guitar, that's the drums, like. Oh yeah. Okay. That's automatic. Um, that that's just part of it for me now. It's part of the whole uh, music listening experience that um, I'm trying to. I I do try to listen and kind of disarm myself and turn it off, and I can do that some of the time. Um, but if I if I really like what I'm hearing, I'm pretty much automatically going to try to figure out how can I use this, you know, like how can I replicate the parts of this that I really enjoy? Um, so that kind of turns on that part of my brain and I start trying to figure out like, how, how is this probably done? And a lot of people look to me to be able to do that. If they bring an influence that they want to channel, um, I need to be able to dissect it and tell them, well, this is what you're hearing and here's how you may or may not be able to replicate what you're hearing. If that answers your question. Yeah, no, that answers my question. And uh, with that, were there any specific um, influences to dream feeling? Oh yeah. Um, for, for me personally, and probably Michael, I mean, you are, you already are working from sort of the base of influences yeah. that you've built up um, for your entire life. Yeah. Which, uh, like I said, includes Radiohead and some other artists. But yeah, we were really listening to a lot of Noah Gunderson at the time. Uh, we were okay. listening to, um, uh, I was listening to a lot of Calm Trues, um, who, who I, I really enjoy sort of his, his brand of whatever wave, synth wave, um, avant-garde thing that he does. And uh, Tycho uh, was another big one. Um, Michael and I are big fans of, of a band called Mew. Uh, I really like a band called Polyenso. Um, so those were, those were all influences, tons of influences. On, and I know that, that once, once we're done here, I think, oh yeah, there's this other handful of influences that I didn't mention because there are so many. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick my girlfriend up from the airport. I'll have to listen to some of these bands on the way there. Um, yeah, you. if you do, you'll probably be able to pick out little little parts like, oh, that's kind of a kind of a Tycho part, kind of a Call of Duty yeah. part. So good luck um, with that. I, I did want to ask you before we end the podcast, was there any songs that you had like a particular like stake in like in the album like where you like really meant something to you uh yeah uh the cost which is uh cost. which is the first single uh that we released from the album uh was um one that that i originated which which made it kind of different from the rest of the album and uh i had kind of felt like the album needed more of a vibe track yeah to to fill out the mood of the album and that's kind of where the verses of that song came from and that's really one of the ones i was talking about where i had 
written the music about the experience of a dream, uh, particularly seeing like a deceased loved one in a dream. And um, I was trying to sort of create the, the synthesizer textures and the sparse drums to kind of have sort of uh, an ethereal quality that, that kind of felt supernatural. Um, and I kind of gravitate towards those kinds of sounds anyway. But yeah, I feel like that one really has some emotional resonance, especially when it, when it hits the end of the song and the chorus sort of repeats and Amber's holding out her high vocals and yeah. there's the weird pitch delay on the vocals that, that really kind of sends me to another place. So that, that, that song is particularly rewarding for me, but also the feeling of letting go. That, that one is special to me. Um, yeah, they're, they're say... all. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say they're all kind of special to me in their own way, but those two kind of yeah. stand out. No, same to me too. Um, of both of those songs, especially the cost. Uh, I've related to that, especially just I've been in relationships in the past where it has, you know, felt like a prison with the doors unlocked, basically. Yeah. Um, where there's like, you know, the pain of indecision much worse than making up your mind. It's so, so deep. And then it's all the lessons you can't swallow. Yeah. but the, yeah. the sound of it yeah it's kind of like this it is a sort of like dreamlike supernatural sort of feeling and I, I think that really resonates with people especially mixed with the lyrics and it's so I don't know it's just so good and it's so unique and it's very it's very deep especially for I feel like a lot of modern music is missing that um yeah, I would agree with that. That's that's the thing with anything that that I create or help create is the the highest goal is I want it to move me emotionally. Like I, I want it to to be able to kind of alter my state and for the the music to feel transcendent. Yeah. Um, well, I think that's a good place to leave it off then. Um, and I, I really appreciate you coming on and I, I love this album. I fell in love with it. I'm, I'm probably going to listen to it some more tonight, to be honest. So nice. Thank you for listening to it and for, for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Great, great questions. Yeah. Right. Peace out everyone.